we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Social problems, economic problems, mechanical problems, computer problems, and our own problems in daily life and relationships. Why do we have problems at all? Is it necessary to have problems? Hello and welcome to episode 147 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is Problems. Upcoming themes are Entertainment, Hope, and Systems and Methods. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our official YouTube channels for hundreds of advert-free, full-length video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks and of selected clips. You can find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts which helps our visibility. This week's episode on problems has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Bombay, 1983, titled, What is a Problem? This is a talk or a conversation between two people, between you and the speaker a conversation, a dialogue of two friends who are concerned not only with their own private lives but concerned with the world, concerned with what is happening in the world, the global disorder, the threat of wars, poverty, the violence and the destruction that's going on right throughout the world. So we are responsible for all that. And it's no good going off into some corner and to meditate about God knows what. So please, if you will kindly bear in mind all the time that we are together, deeply concerned, serious, not flippant, 
to find a, a solution for all these problems. What is a problem? Why have we, throughout our life, from the beginning of our when we see daylight till we die, why do we have problems? Social problems, economic problems, mechanical problems, computer problems, and our own problems in our daily life, in our relationship. Why do we have problems at all? Is it necessary to have problems? The word problem, its root meaning is something that is thrown at you. you know? The meaning of that word problem means something thrown at you, something you are a challenge. That's the meaning of that word. And we're asking, why would we, do we have problems at all? Is it possible to live without a single problem? If you have problems, obviously those problems act as friction, and wears out the brain. And one gets old, and so on. So human beings throughout the world have many, many problems. They live with problems. Their whole life is a movement of problems. And now we are asking, is it possible not to have problems? We are going to investigate the question, not say, yes, it is possible to live without problems or not. That's not the point. The point is, why do we have it? What is a problem? Why the brain is always trying to solve problems? There are mechanical problems, the problems of computer, mathematical problems, problems of design, problems in architecture, physics, in all technological fields there are many, many problems there. That's na that is inevitable. If you are treading the road of technology, it must have its many problems. And why do we in our life, in our relationship, in our own way of living, in our family, the people one loves, why do we have problems? 
whether you should follow a certain guru or not. You know, the whole structure of problems of our life. We see in the technological world problems must exist. When you are building a computer, it demands not only the resolution of the problems there, and in the technological world problems will always exist. And is our brain educated, trained to solve problems? You are following all this, I hope. We live in a mechanical world. We are business people, we are doctors, surgeons, physicists, biologists, trained computer experts. And our brain, please follow this if you are interested, our brain is trained educated, conditioned to solve problems. So we extend that same attitude towards towards our daily life. You understand what what we are saying? Are we meeting each other? Suppose one is a computer build, a pen, computer expert. He has several problems there, and he mechanically he has to solve those problems, which means his, his brain is trained, conditioned, educated to solve problems, right? And we extend that same movement of solution of problems to psychological field. So, in the psychological field, that is in our relationship, in our fears, anxieties, all the rest of it, we have got the same mentality the same condition that these have to be solved, right? These are problems that have to be solved, which means our, we look at life, at our daily living, from the point of view of a problem. Is this, are we meeting each other? Uh, are we? Or am I talking to myself? So what we are trying to point out is if you are trained or educated to solve problems, by solving one problem you are increasing many other problems. 
This is what's happening throughout in all the governments. They try to solve one problem, in the solution of that one problem, increase or add more problems. So we we live with problems. And we are saying something totally different, which is to observe life not with a mind that is trained to solve problems, but to, to understand the nature, why the brain is conditioned, trained, educated to solve problems, and that's, with that same movement we meet life. I mean, have you understood? It's up to you. So we are going to look at the various issues of our life, not with a brain that is trained to solve problems, but to observe the issues, not demanding an answer, not demanding a solution. Is this clear? Please, this is very serious because to live a life without a single problem is the most extraordinary life. It has immense capacity, it has tremendous energy. It is always renewing itself. But if you are always caught in the field of problems and the resolution of those problems, then you never move out of problems. Is this clear? So we are going to find out whether it is possible to look at any issue and not call it a problem, except mechanical problem, any issue of our daily life and not label it as a problem, but to look at it, to observe it, to be aware of the whole nature of that issue the content of that system. But if you approach it as a problem and therefore try to find an answer to it, you will increase the problems. Say, for example, it's important to have an unoccupied mind. It's only a brain that's unoccupied, that, has, that can perceive something new, that's free, has tremendous vitality. So 
for example, it is necessary to have a very quiet mind, because it's only very quiet mind, unoccupied mind, brain, that can see things clearly, that can actually think totally differently. Now, you hear that, that it's necessary to have a quiet, still mind, brain, whatever you like to call it for the moment, and you, then you ask, how am I to get it? Then you make a problem of it. Right? I need a quiet mind, my mind is occupied, restless, chattering all the time, and then you say, how am I to stop it? The desire to stop it is the is, brings about problems. How am I to do it? Is a problem. Have you understood this? But if you approach the the, the question, is it to, that one must have a unoccupied mind, then you will begin to see for yourself the nature of occupation, why it is occupied, why it is constantly dwelling on a particular thing. When you observe it, when you are aware of it, it is telling you its story. You understand? We are going to go into all this. But first we must be very clear that you and the speaker are not are treating life not as a problem, but as a tremendous movement. And if your brain is trained to solve problems, then you will treat this movement as a problem to be solved. And is it possible to look at life with all its questions, with all its issues, which is tremendously complex, to look at it not as a problem, but to observe it? to observe it clearly, without bias, without coming to some conclusion which will then dictate your observation. So to observe this vast movement of life, not only your own particular life, the life of humanity, life of the earth, life of the trees, life of the whole world, to look at it, to observe it, to move with it. But if you treat it as a problem, then you will create more problems.
The second extract is from the first talk at Brockwood Park in 1985, titled A Brain Free to Solve Problems. So it behoves us first to find out whether our brains can be free of problems, to understand and resolve problems. Right? Don't look at me. Perhaps one has not thought or gone into this question. One will ask, give me time to think over it. Let me carefully observe, look, and then decide. If you allow time, that is, I'll think about it, I'll weigh pros and cons, where it is necessary to be, to have problems, where it is not necessary to have problems, and so on. If you take time over it, right? What happens? You are... What happens if I take time over some problem which has to be resolved immediately, instantly? If, I, if it is not possible to resolve it instantly, there will be other problems creeping up. Right? Right? So will you instantly solve the problem? Solve the question, the challenge, that your brain, which has been trained for so many years to live and move among the, among the problems, so, so that your brain is never free Isn't that the first problem? Because we have got to face several complicated issues as we go along. Why we human beings all over the earth, which is extraordinarily beautiful, why we have lived two and a half million years on this earth, or more or less, Psychologically, subjectively, we have changed very little. We are still barbarians, in the real sense of that word. Why haven't we moved away from the set pattern after all these million years? That's a problem. Why? The world is divided into nationalities, into religious activities. Why the world 
has been fighting each other, killing each other. The appalling things the Boers have done, from the club to the atom bomb, while we are going on still like that, while we elect these politicians, why we are so frightened of the future. We've got many, many, many problems, right? So, it's important to understand, it appears, if you will permit it, that each one of us, talking to each other, weighing, considering, what shall we do? What will you do? Of course, if you're stuck on diet or yoga or some kind of fanciful, imaginative, cranky thing, then you're lost, obviously. You're hooked to something. But you'll never solve any of the problems. So what, what shall we do together? Knowing that there is no help outside. Right? Knowing you can attend all the camps in the world, all the gurus in the world. In, I'm not a, the speaker is not a guru. Or come here. Nobody can help except physically. Otherwise, nobody can help us. Your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, and so on. Or the priests, or the future scientists, the... You follow? Here we are. So can we put aside altogether the idea of wanting to be helped. Wanting to be told. Wanting to follow somebody. Believe in something. All that becomes irrelevant when you have got to deal with something actual. The actual is what we are. The multiple problems, the tears, the laughters, the agony, the anxiety, jealousy, hate, the psychological hurts, wounds. So what shall we do together? Not separately. Right? We can't live separately. 
even the monks organized with their abbeys, monasteries in the Western world, they depend on each other. In the Asiatic world, especially in India, the monk is by himself wandering all over the earth, all over India. And they have their problems. I don't know if you ever followed a group of monks. Once the speaker was following a group of monks in India, in the Himalayas, and they were chanting, reading their books, never looking at the beautiful stream that went by, heard the song of that stream, the flowers, the extraordinary skyline with snow, mountains, 25,000 feet, never looked at all the beauty of the earth. They were just concerned with themselves and their little gods. So please answer this question about yourself whether your brain can be free so that you can understand, resolve problems. If one sees that it is not, that it is actually conditioned, right? Which one sees it, not be told about it. Not be, not read something in a book or convinced by another. But if one sees directly for oneself that our brain is so conditioned, right? Can we do that? Don't. Sir, we're going to ask questions on Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Because if you all ask questions now, we'll be. You don't mind, sir? Can we do it? Can we talk over together, deliberate together, weigh, consider? Is our brain, are we aware of it, our brain with living with problems? Not as an observer looking through a microscope, either the right way or the wrong way, but to be aware of it. that our brains are so terribly conditioned to live with problems. I don't have to... The speaker hasn't repeated over and over again. 
Suppose I am not aware of it. I never even thought about it. I never heard such a thing before it was possible or not possible. But you have raised a question. Right? And my brain, being fairly active, not too dull, not hooked to something, my brain then begins to say, can I observe, can the brain observe its own activity? You follow? You understand what I'm saying? Can the brain be aware of its own limitation, conditioning? As you observe yourself in a mirror when you shave or do up your face, sorry, (laughs) can you so observe your brain? Not as an observer looking at something, right? If you observe as an outsider, the outsider is also the observed, right? There is no difference the outsider and the insider. Clear? You don't say when you shave your chin that you are looking at your face from the outside, you are there in the mirror. You might have difficult hairs to cut, all the rest of it, but you are there, your your image is you, right? You don't say, well, I look different there and from me. You are what you are. So can the brain become aware of itself, its thoughts, its reactions, its way of living? Because that's the center of all our activity, right? Do we realize that? Is it the center of all our nervous responses, all our reactions, all our conditioning, our feelings, our pleasures, pain, fears, anxieties, loneliness? despair and the search for love, all the rest of it's there. Right? If when there is no understanding of that, what can I do? Anything I do will have meaningless, right? I wonder if you capture all this. Well never mind. So are we aware of the activity of the brain? Why you think such a thing? What your reactions are? Why you are so cranky? Psychopathic? Why you cling to something? 
Why is there this loneliness, the sorrow, the pain, the grief and the anxiety, the uncertainty? Right? We are deliberating together, please. What shall I do if I am not? I know I am not. I am not aware of myself. Myself being the brain, the thing that's restless, the thing that is always living in shallow valleys and deep valleys, that's always seeking self-interest. Whether it's in the name of God, in the name of love, in the name of social reform, or seeking power, position, there's always the background of this element. Are we aware of all this? If I'm not, what shall I do? Help me. Sorry, I forgot that word. I'm not asking your help, but let's talk it over. We have sought help from everybody from books, from priests, from psychologists, from politicians, from every angle, every corner we've sought help. And that help has been useless, because what we, are, we are what we are now. We may change a little bit here and there, but actually what we are, in spite of all the help, in spite of all the leaders, the gurus, the ancient prophecies, the ancient books, oh, for God's sake, right? So could we put put out altogether from us the idea of seeking help? doesn't mean you shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be here. You know, when you see a beautiful thing, you look at it, take delight in the glory of something beautiful, but you never say, well, I'll never come back here again. On the contrary, you come back to look at it. Often. Not that you are going to be helped by looking at the mountain, the beauty of it, the simplicity of an extraordinary sight. If my brain is not aware of itself, which is an extraordinary problem, 
whether you are aware of your own thoughts. That is, is thought aware of itself thinking? You understand? This is not intellectual. You understand? Can your thought be aware of itself? Right? If it is not, then what will you do or not do to become completely aware of every movement of thought? Pray. Ask. You can't do any of those things. So, can you, can one remain quiet and watch? Uh, we mean by watch to observe without a single movement of the world, the picture, the symbol, which is in essence thought. Can you observe, first, observe without a single activity of the past? Who answers? Come with Can you observe? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Sanan, 1965, titled Dealing with Problems Immediately. You see, we have many problems, hidden and open. Problems with which you can communicate and problems with which you cannot. And Should we go through every problem unearthing, opening them up, investigating, rooting them out? Every problem that involves time, doesn't it? I have an economic problem, social problem, problems of relationship, problems of investigation, inquiry, knowledge, innumerable problems. Problems of sorrow, doubt, uncertainty, the demand to be completely secure. And should we take each one of them, understand, resolve, And have you the time to deal with each problem separately? You understand my question? Or, before the or, 
You know what's implied in this? If you deal with each fragment of each problem, you need time, you need energy, you need constant battle to be aware, not to miss one single problem. And so we say to ourselves, problems can never end. I shan't be able to dissolve all my problems before I die. There are too many problems. So I try to escape into some mystical, fanciful, idiotic nonsense. Take smoke marijuana or go to the church, they're all about the same. Whereas perhaps there may be a totally different way of looking at it. That's what I want to go into. That is, I have, say, ten problems and more, and if I take each one of them, understand them. I must understand each one so completely that that particular problem doesn't... that particular understanding of a particular problem doesn't interfere with the next problem. You follow? And I know very well that all problems, economic, social, personal relationship, every problem is related to each other. There is no separate, watertight problem, independent of others. They are all interrelated. It's raining. It'll be cooler. So, I see that. And also I see I must have freedom immediately, not when I'm about to die, not when I'm... when tomorrow. So I must have it with an intensity, with a drive, with complete energy. There must be that sense of freedom. You understand? There must be freedom from all problems. And that's only freedom. And also, freedom implies action. Freedom is action, not freedom from which I derive action. That is, I must be free to act. That's what we all say to ourselves. 
we say to ourselves, I must be free to think what I like, politically, economically, socially, but not religiously. That you are caught. And wanting freedom, demanding freedom, from which you hope to act, or having freedom you have the choice to act. That's what we want when you are in a tyranny of a party system of dictatorship in the name of the people and all that silly nonsense, then you want freedom to act. So freedom is something different from action, whereas we are saying freedom is action, because freedom is action, because action then is not based on an idea, and idea is the, the organized concept of pleasure. Right? Therefore, an idea, action based on idea is inaction leading to prison, not to freedom. There is action as action which is freedom only when there is a release, a complete understanding of action which is not based on idea. Right. So, I see there is freedom is action. Action is not of time. That is, the many problems that I have, is it possible to dissolve them immediately? Not only prevent problems arising, but the problems that I have, to end them immediately. There are two things involved, the problems that arise and to deal with them immediately, and the problems that I have already and also to deal with them immediately, so that my mind is at no time entangled, caught in the net of problems at all. It is only then there is freedom. And freedom then is action. Right? So, to understand this, I must understand time. Time is duration, a continuous existence. Time, as we know it, is from here to there. Time is an interval 
between one thought and its and its achievement through action time is the postponement of a problem and the achievement of a problem the ending of a problem please follow on this time implies a gradual process of action which will resolve the problem so we use time like an ambitious man who wants to fulfill through his sordid little book or big books he says i must have time to fulfill so we all use time as a means of achievement of change of cultivating a certain capacity using a means which is time to bring about happiness better relationship and all the rest of it now what is involved in that that is what is involved in this gradual process you see as every problem is related is related to another problem if you are pursuing one problem and trying to resolve that particular problem there are all the tensions the pressures the influences of other problems of other issues therefore you can never solve one problem as a gradual process you right am i making myself clear look if i if thought moves from here to there there are other influences other causes other drives which thought pervert or exert influence along different lines and i never come to that particular point and yet that's what we are doing all the time we are using time as a means to achieve to change to bring about a result psychologically and therefore we never complete a thing it's that we're always modifying modifying so to me time breeds disorder not order so i understand that not verbally 
not ideationally as a picture, as an image. It is so. If I am hungry, I eat. If I have food, there is no problem involved in it. If I can find food, do various things, I act immediately. There is no postponement of action. So, if I understand that very clearly, that time breeds disorder, then how shall I deal with all the problems which are totally related with each other? You understand that? You understand the question? I see it very clearly that time has no meaning except chronologically, as acquiring particular knowledge. But time has no meaning in any other direction. And yet you have problems, right? Problems of which I am conscious or unconscious, problems which I know cannot be solved separately. They must all be solved at once, right? I can't solve my physical problems, economic problems, separately from psychological problems. So it must be solved totally and not fragmentarily, not in one particular area and then go on to move on to another area of problems. They must be solved completely. How is this to be done? You understand? If the question is very clear, To you, not to me. Then how will you deal with this? The question of death, old age, disease, pain, uh, the suffering, uh, the loneliness, the the despairs, the travail, the tortures, the uncertainty, all of them. That's so cool. How will you do it? If you don't know how to do it, then you are called, then you use time. Then you, till you die, you are tortured. Right? Is the question clear? Now, how will you answer this question? When you have a question about which no one can tell you the answer, 
no book, no philosopher, no teacher, no, no church. Nobody can tell you what to do. If another tells you and follow him, then you are lost. You are back again to the turmoil and conflict. So there is nobody to tell you, what will you do? Don't you stop all activity of the mind? Hmm? You have looked in every direction, tried to solve everything in diff ten different ways. You are faced with this one fundamental problem. And what will you do? Surely there is only one state of mind, that is, as you don't know the answer, as you don't know what to do, the mind stops completely all its activities. Right? Are you following this? Non-verbally, I hope. I don't know what to do. I must find a way out. No books, all that, all that rubbish has been thrown away down the gutter. And I'm faced with this problem, what am I to do? I know I can't go back the old way. So here is a positive question, right? And any positive approach to it is of time. Therefore, my mind must be completely negative, right? You know what I mean by negative and the positive? Positive is the process of analysis, examination, asking, tearing, following, destroying, all that. We have done that. You have gone to this church, that guru, that priest, that book, that philosopher, uh, followed that system. You have discarded positively the whole activity. And therefore your mind, when confronted with this fundamental issue, is in a state of negation. Right? Negation in the sense it is not expecting an answer, not looking for a way out. <coughs> I, uh, do follow this. This is really extra. If, you, if one can understand this, you will be able to resolve all the problems with one breath. That is, your mind, having inquired, analyzed, 
which doesn't take long, you can do that up very quickly. It has been through all the positive ways and paths and wandered around, and now it has, has, it has no, not found any answer, it is completely in a state of negation, not waiting, not hoping, not expecting someone to tell you. Right? So please don't agree, for God's sake don't agree. When it is in that state of mind, complete negation, then you can approach every, you can approach all the problems, and then, then you will find that they can be resolved totally and completely, because it is the mind that is creating this problem separately. It's the mind that is breaking each problem into a separate, a fragmentary issue and hoping thereby to dissolve them. So when the mind is completely quiet neg negatively, it has no problems at all. So as, as problems arise, arises which are inevitable, don't think problems won't arise. It can deal with them immediately. The final extract in this episode is from the fifth talk in Ojai, 1949, titled Letting a Problem Tell Its Story. To understand a problem, obviously, requires certain intelligence. And that intelligence cannot be derived or cultivated through specialization. But that intelligence comes into being when we are passively aware of the whole process of ourselves. To be aware of ourselves without choice, without choosing what is right and what is wrong in the total awareness. Because when one is passively aware, you will see out of that passivity, which is, which is not idleness, which is not sleep, but extreme alertness, you will see when one is al extremely alert, passively aware, the problem has quite a different significance, which means there is no longer identification with the problem. And therefore there is no judgment of the problem. And hence the problem begins to reveal its, its contents. And if you are able to do that constantly, continually, every problem can then be solved fundamentally, not superficially. 
and that is the difficulty. Because most of us are incapable of being passively aware. To let the problem tell the story without your interpreting the, story, the problem. To look at the problem dispassionately, if you like to use that word. But unfortunately we're not capable of doing that because we want a result out from that problem. We want an answer. We are looking to an end. Or we try, try to translate that problem according to our pleasure or pain. Or we have an answer already how to deal with that problem. Therefore we approach a problem which is always new with the old pattern. The challenge is always new, but our response is always the old. And our difficulty is to meet the challenge adequately. That is fully. And one can meet the challenge, the problem, fully, which is the problem of relationship. There is no other problem. To meet the problem of relationship with its constantly varying demands, to meet it rightly, to meet it adequately, one has to be aware passively. And this passivity is not a question of determination, of will of discipline. But to be aware that we are not passive, and that is the beginning. We are to be aware that we want a particular answer for a particular problem. Surely that is the beginning. To know ourselves in relationship to the problem, how we deal with the problem. Then as we begin to know ourselves in relationship to the problem, how we, how we respond, what are our various prejudices, demands, pursuits in meeting that problem, to be aware of it will reveal the process of our own thinking, of our own inward nature. And from that there is a release. 